all, you can't really talk about the early second wave of the women's movement without talking about This is a WLRN extended interview. Greetings, and thanks for tuning in to WLRN. I'm Thistle Patterson. Dear listeners, you are in for a treat. What you're about to hear is an interview I did with feminist herbalist Linda Conroy at her homestead in Edgerton, Wisconsin, where she runs herbalism classes and women's herbal apprenticeships. Linda spoke with me last week about the animals she keeps on her land and a ceremony she performed recently in which she and other women gave death to some drakes, or male ducks. Enjoy the discussion we had about the ceremony and about her and our relationships with animals in general. Hey, this is Thistle reporting for WLRN. I'm here with Linda Conroy, and we're talking about women and animals today. So, Linda, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the land that we're on right now and who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, My name is Linda Conroy. I am an herbalist and a community organizer, and many I wear many hats. And um, the land here I purchased about a year and a half ago. I had been looking for land that I could offer my women's herbal apprenticeship programs on, and that I could, um, you know, cohabitate with. Um, animals and plants and so I found this land it was affordable and I it was near the location where I wanted to be and so it works really well it's an interesting land on the edge of town I think a lot of times uh, people who are women who are healers and sometimes called witches live on edge on edges and sometimes I feel um, you know like it's just curious to me that we live on these edges so the land is really special. It's been something I've been getting to know. So I spend a lot of time when I'm working with plants, animals, the land, getting to know the entities that I'm living and being with. I don't try to go in the way that our typical culture does and conquer the land. So I'm watching, observing, seeing where things want to be. And the animals fit into that so nicely because they teach me, they guide me on what they want and what they need. Awesome. Why do you think it's important for women to have a good relationship with animals? Well, you could even phrase that differently um, in to say that women just have had relationships. You know, we talk about our familiars, and there are familiars. There are beings that we've co-evolved with. You see goddess images from, you know, that always have relationships with animals, Artemis, and, you know, a lot of other goddesses. And so we've had relationships with animals always. And it's important for us to maintain those relationships. They are um, part of our lineage. They're part of our heritage. They're part of our relationship to the natural world and and the land. They are of the natural world. We're animals. We're of the natural world. And so even going into that relationship and thinking about how it's it's a, um, a collaborative relation, relationship, it's not a conquering relationship, which is really different than our typical patriarchal culture. But, you know, we're drawing on our his, our her story and all the um, the relationships that we've had, um, you know, pre even pre-Christianity. And what do the what are the roles that the animals in your life 
play here mm-hmm. at the at the homestead? So I've been raising um, rabbits particularly for over 20 years. And one of the reasons I chose rabbits is they're um, pretty easy on a small homestead. I actually, um, this is the first land that I've actually purchased. And so typically I'm renting land. And so it's been easy for me to move the rabbits and have them in my environment. And and they're small animals, so they're easy for, uh, you know, to handle and to... Um, to work with so the um relationship with them and their role is that they play multiple roles one they act as fertilizer for my gardens i'm an herbalist so i raise a lot of plants and grow a lot of plants and so they provide fertilizer for the garden a rich incredible fertilizer they also provide um, companionship I always say the animals get me outside all winter long you have to go out you have to tend to them you have to bring water to them they keep me engaged in life and I love that that's super important that's more than companionship it's really um, about um, moving into that place and tending and being of service and so I'm of service to them and they're of service to me and so then one of the other things is that they provide food so I have ducks and chickens and rabbits and they all provide food for me um, nourishment so I nourish them and they nourish me and we live in that um, life death life cycle that is the natural world Mm -hmm. and would you call that a symbiotic relationship then Symbiotic is one way to say it, yes, mutual. Um, There's definitely an agreement there when the animals come onto the land or they're born here. Some of them are born here. Um, You know, we're we're in relationship. We know Mm -hmm. what we're doing together and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And really, because we are animals, we've always been in relationship with animals. And there's a patriarchal relationship to animals, which is one of dominance. And what you're practicing here is a mutual relationship with animals where you help them and they help you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because the animals often tell me what they want and what they need. So I've been, I have some new ducks on the property, for example, some young ducks. And so I'm learning from them about where they want to be, how they want to interface with the other animals. I've integrated them um, so that they can easily become a part of the I guess I'll call them the pack because the chickens and ducks all live together and and they live um, you know really harmoniously but they kind of guide me to what they want and you know at one point they all of the birds started telling me they wanted more time on the larger area of the property so I started letting them out at the end of the day and they put themselves to bed at night (laughs) Um, so it's really fascinating to follow their lead a lot of times but also be conscious of providing protection for them because they are vulnerable like the chickens and ducks are vulnerable to birds of prey so I make sure they're not out in the open area all day long because they would um, probably get eaten by um, some other (laughs) animal of prey so and that has happened Um, I've uh you know have to provide protection i've put solar lights out so raccoons can't get to them and um that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and while you're talking i'm thinking about communication and how we speak using words but it strikes me when i'm out with the chickens here 
it sounds like they're talking the mm-hmm. way they cluck. Do you feel that you kind of speak their language? And how do you talk to the chickens? Do you mm-hmm. talk to them like you talk to people? Mm-hmm. I do. And and I silently engage with them as well. Um, there's a language that happens, you know, sometimes I'll be saying, hey, chick or duck, 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 you know, call them over to me. But then there's the just the energetic energy that goes into um, communicating with them. Like right now I'm trying to um, encourage the ducks to go into their own building at night. They like going in with the chickens. <laughs> I think they think they're chickens. But um, so I'm just standing with them and saying, hey, go ahead. It's good. You know, <laughs> like, and, and I'm saying that out loud, but I'm also saying it silently and just cheering them on. And it takes a while, you know, to be with them and have some, you know, patience and, and, and let them find their own way you know rather than me forcing them to go into this building like I'd rather they find their way and so it's it's that way with all of my animals my cats like I when I first got my cats they were kittens and I kept them inside and they really wanted to go outside they were just itching to get outside and so you know we've learned a way to be collaborative about them having uh, their time outside and so that's um, you know a mutual relationship that we've developed and figured out a way to make it work for everyone, me and them. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how you communicate with the bees that you keep? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very intuitive. It's interesting because I've done a lot of reading about how to keep bees and I've and this is my second incarnation of keeping bees on this property. I've kept them previously in another location where I used to live. And so and I and I in that location I actually kept bees with someone else who was much more controlling about what happened with the bees. So here I've been working with them really intuitively and again watching them listening to them seeing what what they might like um, seeing where they might want to be placed so that was even a thing moving the boxes around before they got here to see where do these bees want to be and they ended up in a place I w- wouldn't have thought of but it has turned out to be the perfect place and I do that with every being I mean I've had plants in pots where I move them all over the property until until the energy feels like yes this is where you belong this is where you want to be and so that's the way I'm working with all the beings on the property and in my life Mm -hmm. yeah I mean life is within all of us it's within the plants it's within the animals do you think that it's also within the stones I mean aren't we in relationship like there's mother earth too, right? Like, what are these distinctions between animals and plants and the earth itself? Well, ultimately, there isn't any, right? (laughs) I mean, one of the most beautiful images I like to give to my apprentice students to think about this is if you've ever sat by the ocean or another large body of water and just merged, and you can really feel that we are part of nature. We are of nature, and every other being is as well. So, how can we 
you know, live that way. I think this is one of the biggest, um, you know, challenges we have today is how do we merge with nature? How do we work with nature, not try to conquer it, not try to control it because it has its own expression. And so like being an herbalist, I encourage my um, students to sit with plants, but you can sit with animals. You can have a sit spot in a, in a place in nature and watch animals come to you. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting quietly and some animal just come up and they won't even be affected if I'm just merged with nature. But if I'm walking really loudly and making a lot of noise, they won't come near me. And so we can live in harmony and certainly indigenous people around the world, including all of our ancestors at some point, someplace on the planet, you know, cohabitated with nature and had this sensibility and we all can find it inside of ourselves. And so it's how I will choose to live my life with the animals, with all of the beings um, on the land where I am. And in gratitude, I do want to mention, you know, we're talking about the land, the land that I live on is um, a, a chunk land and you know there are indigenous people who I'm not the owner of this land right now I'm keeping it yes I purchased it but I'm keeping it and I'm tending it and caring for it and honoring that there are indigenous people whose land this originally was mm -hmm. or is really mm -hmm. you are listening to WLRN So let's talk about what you did a couple weeks ago with four women here on the land. You gave death to some ducks and um, there was a ceremony. You know, there are women who feel that, that our relationship with animals means that we shouldn't kill them, we shouldn't eat them. Can you talk about not just that experience, but what it means to give death? And your your history or your history of the last twenty years of having experiences of giving death to animals. Right. So you know, of course, there are a lot of different perspectives on this, and um, you know, I think we all need to come to our own place um, with it. But one of the things that occurred to me, so this is over twenty years ago, I started keeping rabbits and you know started learning to um, give death to chickens, to rabbits, um, and um, learned to do it in a way that was honoring of the animal, not the way that people do it industrially. And I think that that's a um, a challenge as a lot of my apprentice students come, here, I run a women's herbal apprenticeship program where we incorporate these things into our work because it's a wise woman apprenticeship. It's not just a clinical herbal apprenticeship. So we're looking at the whole picture. And so when we um, are giving death to animals in this way, we're doing it in a ceremony. We're doing it in, honoring, in an honoring way. We're not doing it in an industrial way where we stress the animals out. And, you know, we're doing it in a very caring way for ourselves as well. 
Um, I chose to start doing this because I eat meat and I wanted to be conscious that there's a death that happens for my food. And the thing is, there is a death that happens no matter what food you're eating. And even grains, if you're eating grains, there has been genocide on the land. There has been, um, you know, uh, tractors run over animals all the time in the fields. And so to not be aware that there's death related to your food is a disconnect from nature. And we have co-evolved with animals. Animal protein is something that offers us nutrients we can't get from other places. And being interested in nourishment and nutrition it's an important part of my diet and I want to be conscious and aware and present to the fact that a death happens and so I am going to be engaged and involved in that and take responsibility for that I know I've heard one of my teachers say you know how can you eat something you didn't love because people say how can you eat something you did love but how could you eat something you didn't love <laughs> you know like taking something into yourself with love is 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 really different than eating something that you have absolutely no connection to so when i give death to animals it's in reverence and the um from the moment i meet the animal to the time we give death to the time i cook it and eat it is all one big ceremony and really life is one big ceremony so this is just one aspect of the ceremonies that i practice in my life um every day day in and day out mm -hmm. Can you talk about a couple of weeks ago, like from beginning to end, like you invited four women over, you invited women over here, four women came. What, how did you start the ceremony of giving death to the three drakes, which are male du ducks? Well, first of all, I started when I met the ducks, when I met the drakes, which are, yes, are male ducks. That was before anyone ever came here or that I actually even was pl planning on eating them because I thought they were female ducks <laughs> and I wanted I raised ducks predominantly for the eggs and so these um, ducks were young and they turned out to be males and I um, decided that you know they were going to need to um, be food and so I went into ceremony with them from the day I met them, but then the day I decided that as well, and we went into ceremony uh, and into dialogue silently. You asked about communication. It was just like they knew I decided, you know, we, we knew together. And so then I wanted some help because I hadn't um, butchered ducks before. I had butchered chickens, but not ducks. So I wasn't sure how to um, pluck them. And I wanted to, again, I, want, I always want to do it respectfully with the least amount of stress on the animal, the least amount of stress on the people involved, because it is stressful. And it's, you know, it's, it's a responsibility. So you never should do this lightly. It, it, that's why it shouldn't be an industry. <laughs> you know, we talk about the meat industry. It's like, oh, that, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard, you know, to, to hear that because this is a big responsibility um, and it should be done in an honoring way, which is 
you know, how we're doing it. So um, I invited one of my past students who had butchered ducks before to come and um, help me actually do the butchering. And then two of my students came. Um, they had never been involved in such a ceremony before. So we um, all got together in the morning. We actually ate a big meal so that we were um, ready for the day and we'd be present because you need to be nourished to be present. And this is, you know, one of the things that I'm, you know, a big stickler about in general is nourish, nourish, nourish. So you can show up more fully if you're nourished. So we ate a big breakfast. We held a talking ceremony, talking about how everyone was feeling. And that also brings us into presence. Animals are energetic, <clears throat> kind of like we're talking about, like the communication isn't just verbal with them, it's energetic. And so everyone needs to be calm, everyone needs to be fully present. Everyone also has a choice. I always, um, and I was taught to offer this to students, which I really appreciate from my teachers, to either be a witness, to either hold the knife, or to walk in the woods. And walking in the woods means that you know that the death is happening and that you're conscious and aware of it, but you may not be ready for it to be a witness. The women who were here chose to be witnesses and um, my past student, um, she chose to hold the knife and we all participated in plucking the ducks and um, dressing them, which is, you know, butchering them. And so um, we went in and did that, whole, went through that whole process. And I always ask that everyone stay for the whole entire time from start to finish, that no one step out. And one of the things is the animals are carried um, to the butchering area and um, held. And the du ducks in this case were very calm. Ducks are usually very anxious. They were not anxious, they were very calm. And so there was something happening for them too. They were with us. With all that preparation of calm and intention, it makes a big difference. And it makes a huge difference in how the animal responds. There's not stress hormones in that situation that gets into the meat, which happens in industrial butchering processes. So I um, feel really strongly that this is the way that I want to eat meat is, you know, done with reverence. Um, we have, you know, saved some of the feathers and the wings and they'll be um, used in ceremony. Um, in the future and so this is um, it, it, it's a process it's not something that we do as a mechanical technical thing mm -hmm. if that makes sense can you talk about how you prepared the meat mm -hmm. after yeah so I hadn't done this before but I was so excited because I wanted to um, uh, and, and the preparation is a ceremony to me as well. So I um, wanted to smoke a whole duck. And so I made a maple glaze, which was really wonderful with maple mm. syrup. I just cooked it down till it was thicker. And then I um, spread it, you know, put it on the duck. I based, you know, marinated the duck with the glaze and then put it in the smoker. And it was in the smoker for four hours, I believe. And, uh, you know, I kept going in and adding more glaze to it. And it was just a delightful and delicious and it just felt so sacred to eat. 
it was not, you know, just some, I just didn't throw it in a pot and, and forget about it. I mean, I tended to it. Again, there's just a lot of tending, a lot of relationship, um, a lot of care. And I know with my students, they often, I have women come to study with me who, do, who don't want to eat meat because they don't want to eat industrial meat. They don't want to eat meat that's been prepared in these settings where the animals aren't cared for. They're actually in many instances abused and then they come here and they get to they help care for the animals you know my apprentices are almost always engaged in caring for the animals and you know just you know creating a good life for them and then sometimes like you know um, the women who came who were my students with the um, drakes um, they one of the women said you know I wanted to come and have this experience but I didn't think I'd want to do this again but I feel like this is something I could do again. It's a skill, it's an honoring approach, and she was really grateful. And I think that like seeing that there's another possibility, the options aren't just industrial farming or or just eating, you know, plants. <laughs> and, you know, those aren't the only two options. There's these other options in between, and there's this um, option of care and reverence. Um, and relationship and you know women we are the birth midwives and we're the death doulas as well and so this is part of our role in 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 the world is we give death we we're present to birth we're present to all of it thank you so much linda mm-hmm. thanks for tuning in to another extended interview on wlrn My guest on today's show was feminist herbalist Linda Conroy of Moonwise Herbs and Midwest Women's Herbal. You can learn more about Linda and her work at moonwiseherbs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing and would like to support the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Every little bit helps to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. I'm Thistle Pedersen, signing off for now.